So in this phonetic awareness, um, it's, it sounds simple. It's the opposite of simple. It's a very complex problem, depending on what age you catch the child. Um, what we're hoping today is to maybe try to craft a little bit of, I don't know, elegant maybe too, um, too high of a fancy of a word, but a little bit of understanding of a path of a roadmap. So I would consider, when I do this, it's usually to EC uh, conferences and we have longer than 45 minutes. I have been, I know I talk too fast. I need to be careful about that. Please stop me if I, um, so I, I did ask Shirley last time and she said, yeah, you probably need to slow down a little bit. So um, okay. in the helicopter, let's sit in the helicopter just for a few minutes here. So what we hope to talk about is um, kids, when they memorize flashcards, they get off to a bad start. My kid was faking his reading and I was lulled into complacency because I thought flashcards were reading and they're not. So if a child cannot retell a story, if they don't understand graphemes and phonemes, if they've got shortfalls with their working memory, executive functioning, sensory integration, if they've missed out on vocabulary for whatever reason, right? Or they're trying to learn vocabulary in a second country. Um, if phonics ask them, and here in our, uh, well, in Conroe ISD, and generally, I think, it, it, for the state of Texas, if they teach, if the kids miss phonics in kinder, assuming, uh, first and a snippet of second grade, if they miss the phonetic awareness that's taught there, then boom, you guys are gone. The pack's gone on. And so they will be in a, they'll be in a, in trying to catch up phase and they won't have tools. They'll just right. start to drop off the edges, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we help our kids with joint attention? Um, behavior choices will show up here too, because if they're trying to escape, how bad they feel about themselves because they know they cannot read like everybody else. Hey, everybody else is reading. How come I can't read? Right. right. They'll, right. they'll, depending on if they're sensory, uh, um, averse or sensory seeking, then they will start to have behaviors to escape. That'll affect all the other learners. So distractions in the classroom, right? Um, how can we help them mm -hmm. to become more at peace in their own skin? to use intrinsic motivation, right? Intrinsic is not what comes from a bribery. Intrinsic comes from their inside. Um, right. Working with explicit instruction. Um, and we'll talk specifically more about that. Then the brain will file verbal and written communication in different parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. um, receptive expressive language, you're probably familiar with that, right? Express, uh, will, and so it, uh, in a nutshell, receptive, I catch your words, I got your words, teacher, got em. now you want me to auditory process, okay, you want me to think about what you just said, now you want an expressive language sentence back, um, unless we're going to do alternate assessment somehow, right? So we're going to talk about neural pathways, we're going to talk about word building, word decoding, um, we do have to touch on dysgraphia, and my kids got dyscalculia too, so it's, it's when the brain's wired differently, baby, it's wired differently. And then we're even talking about penmanship, which may have been important, more important earlier, 
less now and into the future with the keyboards, but they still, it all still affects fine motor integration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um, anytime, since it's just you and me here so far, if you want to stop me anytime, that's fine. The only problem is the clock doesn't. So, um, but I'll be glad to answer your questions. But I do have a question. How does this work? This is my first session that I'm attending with New Caney in terms of, um, you know, their virtual um, conference. So I don't know, does this, right now it's me and you, do more participants eventually lag on? Is this one-on-one? -on -one? Like, how does this work? Well, so far, you're the first person here, and, I, and then Debbie Smith would check in uh, as she did first session. And others may join. Um, I'm just glad one person's here because that means the system's working. <laughs> um, I see someone else also logged in. Did you and I, I don't see them yet, but I don't know. Um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I can just ask you a question just whenever I need to. If you want to. Yeah, that's great. Um, the, if we don't cover all the slides, they're in the, uh, the Dropbox. Um, I, I put extra in the appendix anyway. I also have a website, and I do podcasts, and I have ebooks and blogs. And so the website there um, would, would have everything that we don't get to today. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So how does this, this terrible thing happen about the, the, um, the kids missing out on phonetic awareness? So if they have tried to draw, how, what do holes in their learning look like, right? So you're familiar with scaffolding? Well, what if, yes. for whatever reason, whatever traumatic thing happened, the kids don't have all of their learning matrixed in, scaffolded in the way that they need to a really firm foundation. Sometimes that comes from that flashcard, um, uh, the seduction of flashcards, right? <laughs> um, Pullouts going to slow things down. My kid gets pulled out for whatever reason. The 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 curriculum keeps on going, and the uh, neurotypical peers keep on going. So right. he's going to miss out on vocabulary. He's going to miss out on how it all fits together. He's going to miss out on a number of things. So as the peers move on, and uh, so you're in in you're going to be helping kids with learning differences. I just know it. There's no way to avoid it. One out of five, one out of six kids, right? And um, as the peers move on, then the kids are going to be left in the grass on the right. side, and, and they're going to be continuing to miss vocabulary. Um, if they have a diagnosis, I put down PDD-NOS, right? Because that's what they used to call my kids, which means pervasive. Not only do we have developmental delay in all ways, but it's wide and it's deep. So kids will have a diagnosis too. Um, I, I just a bit on neural pathways. I, I fill this with lots of links for further information. So when you are suffering from um, insomnia and you need something else to do, um, you can capture <laughs> more information there. Um, I do want to draw your attention down that, that little inset box for neurotransmitters. I'm going to be talking about them and neural pathways. So that's a blow up there. What it is, it's a lot of line segments with a little gap in between them. 
And so they have to have neurotransmitters to jump that, that gap to get to the next line segment. And mm -hmm. if the kids miss out on that, that's a methylation issue, and that's an immune system issue, and that's a global kid wiring. And we'll talk about that some too. But that's when we say neurotransmitters, right? Um, it gets into more <clears throat> than you have control over in your classroom. <clears throat> it gets into how the child's being raised. So if, if we ever needed to come and talk to parents or you wanted to share this with your parents, that's always fine. I give, I just, the intellectual property is you just share it to parents all day long. I also freely give my parent presentations to help um, within the ARD, building a positive ARD experience. I give those freely away to parents too. So that's at the website and I'll be, you know, I, I would help parents in a deep and wide way. Okay, so let's get some, you, you, you may know this and that would be great. So first in understanding phonetic awareness, so phonemes and graphemes, are you familiar with those? Yes, but it's been a while. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so phoneme, these are the smallest building blocks. Phoneme is sound. the smallest sound, right? right? And grapheme is the smallest thing you write. So let's say the letter M, M. So two phonemes, one grapheme. Two, one phoneme, two graphemes, S-H. Uh, okay. So we, first we gotta help them master the, the building blocks to build the words. We have to help them master the phonemes and the graphemes. Yes. Then, oh, now we want them to keep them in their memory. Now we want them to work on retaining in their working memory. And in this day and age of digital everything, we're, we're bleeding out, we're killing off people's extended retention, right? And, and, mm -hmm. the, and the longer attention span. Um, we're physically rewiring the brains in different ways. Um, but just a quick understanding of the working memory. So um, long-term storage, lots of file cabinets. The movie Inside Out showed that, right? Lots of ways the data can be stored. And then they're mm -hmm. connected by dendrites. Um, right. When you have working memory, we're, we're thinking more like a little kitchen table. And here's two plus two equals four. We're working on this little working, this, this small teachable moment here. And the time we're done with two plus two equals four and we're ready to go on to two plus three, then the, the learner will have a chance to say, okay, I'm gonna clean off the table, we're moving on to something else. Let's see, I like that memory, that was a good one. I'm gonna stick that in the file cabinet, I'm gonna stick some dendrites there, so when I need to go find two plus two equals four, I know where to look, right? Uh, an alternative would be, they clean it off and they say, boy, I felt miserable about myself, I hated that experience. I never want to think about two plus two equals again. You know where they're going to put it? Flush. Mm. <laughs> so every time there's a working memory issue, each learner has an opportunity to store and refine or goodbye. I don't want to remember that again. So mm -hmm. think of it also as, so here's your, here's your um, uh, working, working memory in the classroom, right? And so you have a complex thought that you tell the children, and it's maybe a two or a three part instruction. And so 
the part of the instruction, if they have some shortfalls in their working memory, what's the only thing they're going to remember? The last thing that crossed the table. And then now the, the rest of the caboose on the train of the thought that you just said, that long, that, that, that multiple uh, section, multiple part instruction. So because the working memory table isn't big enough, it's not wide enough of a plateau that the, whatever you said first lost. And so if you, if you ever wondered why does the kid answer, if they don't know what to say, they'll just answer the very last thing. It's because that's all their working memory hung on to when the thought went across their table and the rest of it's gone. So we can work through that, but it takes, it takes effort. It's not, uh, if the kid has these issues, if the neural wiring is such that they're in their present state, we can help them, but it's bit by bit, paquito, paquito, paquito. It's not, um, uh, it's complex, more complex than we thought. Right. And they're not, it's not because they're stupid. It's neural wiring. Right. So we want them to use the building blocks. We want them to, Oh, Hey, Betty, you better remember what I just told you. And now on top of that, now I want you to retell me the story. I want you to build that vocabulary. I want you to interpret. What did I just say? That, that, that whole choo-choo train of that long complex story that you just read that now has fallen off the, the working memory table and it's long gone. So that's why you go back and you look through context clues, right? Now we want them to retell right. the story. And this particular thing is the, is the fourth characteristic of a dyslexic, uh, of a child that's working with dyslexia. Is if, you, if my child cannot retell the story, okay, so he can't. And that's what we're working on. Executive mm. functioning, have you heard that? Yes. Okay, so executive functioning, according to the dictionary, is that your ability to manage yourself and all your resources. So we're both here in this Zoom room, right? So awesome. Our executive functioning to get to this place worked today because we made it. We're here. Um, you probably have kids in your, in your, in your flock that, um, man, they can't get their backpack to the hook, right? Or they can't find where their pencil went. And so these are all tiny pieces, but they still fit into that executive functioning of them being able to get into the, the place of learning to be ready for joint attention, but they're not. It's dribbled, off, dribbled out behind them, and that's we got to work on that executive functioning for them. Mm-hmm. That's mental control, self-regulation, self-control, um, a fancy word, metacognition. Um, I'm thinking about my thinking. I do a little frog thing. Um, you'll see a picture there. So it's like I'm, our kids, meta, me, cognition, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about my thinking. Can our kids rise to the self-awareness to be able to be aware of what they're thinking and doing? And that's all higher levels of executive functioning. Okay. So anyway, that's what we're hoping for, right? To build that model for the kids. That's going to help them a long way toward phonetic awareness and retelling the story. A tiny bit about sensory integration and how these, these precursors for learning have to be there in place. You start with the child in the cradle, you add a visual as a, as a minor, and then as time goes by, the visual system now is strengthened, so it's able to 
uh, the kids out playing by now, the kids playing baseball, they see the ball coming at them. Well, I see it first, I'll move toward the ball. So the visual system has strengthened. So it's not like they just stand there and the ball gets it on the head by the ball. They see it, they move toward it. And then with the idea that as they integrate all their sensory and motor function, they get to the point of being able to sit down and academically focus joint attention mm -hmm. on what you guys are talking about together. If they're lucky. And mm -hmm. if they're not, then that's, that's another whole world of reflex integration. But um, so is this, the idea there is we have neural pathways and the bottom section that you see here is uh, let's say two different ways you could look at it. It could be a baby that's learning how to try different ways to stand up, pull themselves up, fall down, try a different way to fall down. And so trial and error down here. But what if, and then eventually it integrates to the top part of the picture, right? So you have a more predictable neural pathway. It's pruned at that preschool and then at that teenage level. Or by practice. We do that over and over and over. And so now we start to have mastery. That top part is mastery. Bottom part is experiment. New stuff. Oh, man, I got to work through this new stuff. I got to winnow it down so I can have mastery like that top part of the slide. But what if for some of our learners, they, that unpredictability part never reached mastery. It never pruned down. And so you might have... 37 variations of how a kid might walk down a hallway or might attend to the word attend because they don't have the, 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 the predictability of the neural pathway, right? Right. Right. Okay. So let's talk about why some of that, those things happen. We're going to talk about the brain here for just a little bit. So I've made this model, the yellow one with the sensory integration, and that just is a fancy set of words to say the brain receives data through nine doorways. The five doorways that everybody knows about, right, the, the five senses. Then, we're going to add, then we've added three more plus the newest one. So we have sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch. Everybody knows those. That's how, you know. Then we added in tactile. That's tactile. It's touching me. It's not I touch the screen or the pencil. It's tactile. My tags or he's touching me. It's like, I don't want that, right? Tactile. That is a, that is a sense. One of the, the pipes that bring data into the brain. Body position. That is proprioceptive. Body position is where my body is in space. Um, if I'm not a grounded child, I'm going to stomp down the hallway. I'm going to hang on to the walls. I'm going to touch other people because I'm still trying to ground myself on where my body is in three-dimensional space. I'm just not exactly sure. Um, with my kid, um, he couldn't do this. He could not do a two-footed jump, and that was stalling out his motor planning going from gross motor to fine motor because he, mm -hmm. I guess he just wasn't quite sure where the ground would go if he lifted both feet off the ground at the same time. So um, proprioceptive. Now, the blue one is balanced, so that's vestibular. If um, you ever see a child that goes up and down the stairways, it's like grandma and grandpa one step at a time. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, or they just have to constantly uh, uh, 
anyway, issues of balance, which fits in right into close to the brain, and it's just so close right there. Introception. I, intro, excuse me. Introception. I have a quick question for you. Yes. I, I, this is all just so interesting. When did these four additional um, sensory items come out? This before, is the first time. Before I was aware, so I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but I do know when the green one kicked in, because that's only been a year and a half. Oh, this is all new. This is awesome. And so the idea, and this is OT stuff, you know, and they'll talk about far senses and near senses, but this will get you a long way toward understanding what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the only way data comes into your learner's brains. Mm -hmm. So that's all sensory integration is, is you're integrating the senses and if, right. into learning. And if we had more than 45 minutes, we, would, we could spend two hours just on that. Um, introception, back to the green oval there, is the, the latest one. It's kind of like mindfulness. It's, it's when the, the child's, the learner's, yours, mine, the senses, the emotions, understand the feelings, understand what's going on in the body, and you can start to self-regulate better, and you can feel that antecedent coming, or you can um, say, uh-oh, I'm starting to feel bad. I need to breathe, mm -hmm. or whatever it is to help that child self-calm. That's what introception is, body awareness, what's going on in, in all of this. Very much mindfulness, all right? So the brain there you see and the, and the, the spinal column, that's your central nervous system. And mm -hmm. once the kiddo gets to be about, well, before they get to you guys, that data is going 250 miles an hour. If it's, if, if it's properly integrated and if it's properly getting to the right place at the right time for synchronization. And so that can awesome be why our kids don't learn appropriately or they're lagging or they behave inappropriately or they're lagging. Not only is it developmental delay of the body, but if the data transfer isn't getting to the place at the right time so they can answer your question the way you expect, mm -hmm. then, okay, there's going to be consequences for that, right? Unless we understand that it's not their doing it's just we got a poor we got a poor traffic system going on. How do we fix that traffic system? And that gets into methylation and neural pathways, which we'll, we're going to keep on going. Now, sensory seeking, sensory averse. Do you have kids in your classroom, both ways? Yes. Yes. What do you mean both ways? Yes. Well, so if a sensory seeking child is going to be that kid that's going to be grabbing on to everybody. Because their, their, their need for data is, is greater than their, what they're getting. So oh. if, they, if they're grabbing stuff, then they just need to feel more grounded. Or they need, a, 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 sometimes when kids toe walk, or they just need more information, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then sensory avoidance, it'll be that kid that'll be sitting way back out as far as he can get. Don't talk, call on me, please. He'll be, mm -hmm. he, she, they will be avoiding things, sensory mm -hmm. averse. So that kid that won't get in the jumpy castle, right? Or that kid that won't go into the birthday party. Or that kid mm -hmm. that is afraid of things and just wants to sit over in the corner. So what we have there is a different 
version of that model of the sensory integration. One's getting too much data, too fast, too hot. I can't stand it. I've got to step back. I'm reverse. Or the other one isn't getting enough information or the brain needs is hungry. Feed me, see more, I need more data. <laughs> they're going to be the, they're going to be the sensory seeking one. I just, I just can't get enough information, right? right? Now you will also have kids that are both, they'll flip back and forth. My kid started off this way and now he's more this way, but sometimes he's back this way. So here you see my son, John. That's Galveston nasty old bay water. And mm -hmm. he's in, in the dark, sensory seeking. Hey, I'm fine. I'm sitting in the water, you know? And then, mm -hmm. but it's the same kid that I have to like grab and I'm going to make you eat this ice cream cone if it's the last thing I do. So I'm shoving it. You can see there, he's just, that ice cream cone is too scary. Too scary to to. to chew on so this is this is where it can be harder in the classroom if you've got a kid that is is not predictable you expect them to be this way and all of a sudden their reflexes or um it's a fight 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 and flee and all that stuff all of a sudden they flip to be that's behavior we're going to talk about that soon uh, later on another time slot but um, if, if they, they're all of a sudden they act like a different kid, it's just that they are sensory seeking, sensory averse, and they just flipped. Okay. Okay. So back a tiny bit more. So here's a, a wonderful YouTube on auditory tr uh, processing and auditory transduction. You click on that YouTube there with the ear, and it'll take you to beautiful eight minutes of how all this is supposed to work, just in the sense of the ears of hearing into learning. Then as far as some of the feelings and tasting and mouth and tactile stuff over on the left, we've got some links to um, the trigeminal nerve. So try one, two, three, Gemini, left and right. And so any kid that's got, or, uh, got issues with, uh, don't touch my hair, I don't want to brush my teeth, uh, problems with oral motor, you've got a massive communication freeway system from the shoulders on up. All of the, you got the trigeminal, you've got the central processing, the brainstem, you got all kinds of data flowing here. And if this is all messed up and not at peace of the own skin, you're going to know it in the classroom. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've also talked about that continuum of motor function. So first, motor is going to be more the legs, right? That's PT kind of stuff. Moving right. then eventually into fine motor, which will be more like OT stuff, right? And then oral motor, we would want for great expressive speech. But if the kid gets gummed up in the, in the learning process, isn't fully integrated, and it's not a fine line. They're kind of, you know, commingle there for a while. So we start off gross motor, right? And then we, the baby gets up and starts walking around and pulling himself up. And pretty soon, oh, he's using his hands to feed himself or herself. Awesome. That's great. But now we're getting a fine motor. So the, the child is moving forward in their motor function continuum. And then eventually they start to talk. Oh, that's wonderful. But if the child never gets a chance to move, then they cannot cross midline and this, this, this motor function continuum can't kick in. All right. Mm -hmm. What do our kids do these days? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. 
So mm -hmm. I tell parents, I tell grandparents, don't buy them that stuff for Christmas, for birthdays, get them out, get them a hula hoop, take them out, go on, on experiences. Because the midline crossover, you probably know this midline, we have three of them. We've got this one, so left and right. We've got this one here at the waist, north and south. And then we have one that goes front and back. So if the kids don't cross midline, then they're not going to be moving forward. So they have to get up and move. Maybe oh. you. And so if you've ever seen this with some kids, my kid would not be able to cross midline. He'd have to hand it off and go over here. This was just too scary. Until I do hand over hand, and now, now he can do that. But you've got to build that neural pathway out of the confusion of, of just that a bunch of jumble. And why did you say that that was important for them to cross the mid the midline? Why? Okay, so let's look right here. If we want them to be able to do well in the classroom for oral motor, but they're they're stalled out on gross motor and they haven't gotten a fine motor, well, they're not going to be able to do the tactile things in the classroom: scissors, pencils, tying your shoes. Um, all those beading kind of things, anything that uses the fingertips, right? Uh -huh. And so crossing midline fits into how a child learns. A child learns as long as they can keep moving. That's why, right? And so this is my house. Look at the bottom. Not so much now, but in the early days. I've been at this game now for 12 years. Um, my kid's uh, um, almost 14 so anything that makes the, ch the child's um, core uh, function, anything that's kind of wobbly. We don't have chairs. We had balls. We still have balls. And he has to sit on that. So he's constantly working on his Pilates, constantly working on his core. Um, for the midline crossover, he's left-handed. So I'm going to always turn his whatever he's sitting in. I'm going to put his stuff over on this side. So he has to cross midline to get anything. Even now, I'm constantly, purposefully, anytime I can, putting him in a physical situation where he has to cross midline, midline. This is bilateral here, up and down, yeah. top and bottom, right? And um, is this daily? These oh, are daily exercises? Oh, constantly, constantly. And if you're in, if the, this is what OTs are doing all the time. And if you're in the classroom or PE, I think PE teachers know about this too. But if the, the teachers in the classroom or in the sensory room want to do some kind of a break or, you know, that pat your head and rub your tummy at the same time, you try right. to do that, that's a bilateral. So that helps, again, we're moving toward gross motor into fine motor into oral motor so that child can... Um, where our primitive reflexes are getting integrated into more sophisticated reflexes. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> and this feeds, this feeds phonetic awareness, okay? Yeah. All right, so here's some of the interventions that we're doing. Now, this may be outside the scope of the, some families. We've got decent insurance and where he's also Medicaid. <laughs> Not that I had planned on that, but we've also been at this a long time. And I have one kid. So if I had four kids and I was working three jobs, then that might be a different story. And John wouldn't be such a lucky kid. Um, uh -huh. This is what we're doing at a non-clinical OT right now. So this is um, interactive metronome, fast forward, astronaut training, anything that gets that kid into three-dimensional movement. 
And this one here on the right-hand side with the, the, the partners, they take in a ball over and the next pair oh, go yeah. under mm -hmm. until they're passing this forward and back. And all of these kinds of things, um, there's a Balviz game that teachers can play when the kids need to take a break. Here with all of this COVID-19 canvas stuff that, my, that we, everybody's been through, when my kid needs to take a break, baby, you're on your bike, out, go. We're right. not, you're not taking a break on this. This is too much right. of the same. You need to get out and move, right? And then that reset the body, reset the brain to be able mm -hmm. to sit quietly and try again and start over. Mm -hmm. So interactive metronome, um, mini trampolines, a balance board. Um, you can get a mini trampoline for about, well, I did it when I bought mine at Amazon. Um, it was not that, less than $50. I, have, I had three of them in the house. I'm down to one now. Uh, kids can <laughs> back on that. If kids want to watch a TV or watch a screen, but they're bouncing on a trampoline at the same time, our doctors would say that would help integrate the visual system to help them, the, the dendrites come together in a better way, to help the data transfer the flow of the traffic. So we're, look, looking at, we're working on executive functioning, the visual integration, and how a child learns is also measured with visual learning layers. Um, and that's a vision therapy thing. And sometimes a good OT will understand uh, visual integration and visual ages but you can actually clock a kid at what visual age they are. Mm -hmm. Bilateral motor, that's something on, on crossing midline. This midline is doing something than, than this one. So if I was snapping my fingers and, 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 and what, and trying to do this, that's bilateral, but it's harder than you think, right? Right. right. Okay. <laughs> and working memory, we talked about that. Dyslexia, I got a problem with the written word, the spoken. Well, the written word and the spoken word are stored in different parts of the brain. Dyslexia, I got a problem processing this written stuff. Dysgraphia, um, I'll show you here later on when we get into the curriculums, but here's my kid's version of dysgraphia. And um, it's not pretty, but um, we keep working on it. Can you explain what dysgraphia is? Yes, dysgraphia means um, my handwriting is terrible. Okay. <laughs> I've, got some, I've got some examples to show you here pretty soon. Am I talking too fast? No, you're doing, you're great. Okay, awesome. Dyscalculia is I've got a problem with math. The, okay. parts, uh, the parts of my brain where math and numbers are stored, time awareness, um, money awareness, um, it's just not what is typical. We have non-typical wiring. So my relationship, our kids' relationship with time and money, um, uh, being on time to uh, task completion, ADHD fits into here if you're lucky. If you're autism mm -hmm. spectrum and you got all these other things, then the, they call it comorbid when you got more than one thing you're trying to wrestle with. So mm -hmm. uh, th th these are challenges, and these are OT uh, ARD words here, but there's no reason that the parents couldn't learn this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So anyway, this is non-clinical OT, but um, the, the OTs in your world would know about this stuff. They may not have the money for it with the ISD, but, but um, we're, we continue with these and haven't let up. 
Okay, so visual learning is a really is an important thing. So if if the eyes don't aren't integrated for the learners, then they'll have the other senses up here in the in the yellow model there. The other senses will kick in and they'll compensate, you know, um, to to work harder because the eyes aren't integrated the way they need to be. But um, these are examples. I'm going to show you some examples of what vision therapy can look like, for has looked like for my son. And if they don't get, if the kids don't get that, then other senses will compensate. The visual, the eye gate does bring in 80 to 90% of uh, information to the brain um, in the visual world. So mm. you are, if your eyes cannot focus, if they don't team or they don't jump together, saccadic jumping, if they, um, re, so when you stand and you do the uh, uh, um, Snellden uh, uh, test, you, nothing's moving, right? I'm reading, I'm standing still, it's not moving, I'm not moving, and I'm reading A-E-M-P-S-P-Q. Awesome, you can see, uh-uh, move that around. Let me move around, let my eyes move around, make everything moving, and now that Snelling test isn't a true representation of our learner's eye age and the, the ability of the eyes to look down, look up, look down, refocus, come back, startle effect, look up, what happened, what's going on, oh, back to my knitting, back to my work, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what vision therapy looks like and some links to free information for, for parents or anybody. Um, I have a quick question. Did you say that this is going to be available on Canvas? What did, how, how will we have access to this uh, presentation? Um, all of our presentations go into some tool, and I chose Dropbox. So oh, all Dropbox. of these are PDFs in the Dropbox folder that's hooked to this um, meeting, hooked to my, my world to you all. And there should be a way to go in and get the links because they had us put everything in a Dropbox. Okay. You also, we'll have, um, uh, well, I can, uh, I, my, there's a picture in here that's, that tells all about my website and all the extra tools that, and all the, uh, all the mo modalities that I have. Um, but it should be through your system. I'm a, very impressed with New Caney's organization of all of this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. okay. All right, thank you. Yeah, of course. Okay. So uh, another s segment of the vision therapy. So as far as assessing the dysgraphia, you were asking about dysgraphia. So here's what dysgraphia might look like, as well as we'll get to this stuff over here in a jiffy. Um, we do a list every day. So here's my version of the list, the first picture you're looking at. Then here's his version of it, right? Downhill, if, you, if your kids you're working with, they write, they're going, you know, downhill or they're writing letters on top of each other. Their awareness and, and motor planning for space is gummed up. John, my kid will start to write words. Pretty soon he's just using that last, the right-hand side of the paper. He's not... You just got to start on the, on the, you know, over on this side of the paper, John, but no, he's like, just everything is, so you might see that. Um, the relationship with cursive, that's another big adventure. 
we can't print well, right? But um, he'll sometimes pretend and do some cursive, so there we go. Um, and now it's keyboarding, and then we're trying to also work on that midline crossover, that motor function to touch type, not just hunt and peck. Okay, so here's some other outputs, some number lines, how we work through it all. We can talk more about this as much as you wish. Um, let's talk about the language and communication. So, Mr. Bean, you, you know, do you know this guy? Yes. Yes, okay. So you've seen his movies or his TV shows, right? And he never says a word. He might mumble, right? But he carries the whole movie. You know what he's talking about. You know what he's trying to do in his TV show. And that's because his, uh, his joint attention is wanting to communicate is nonverbal and it's there. So in, when we're talking about communication with our kids, it doesn't have to always be perfect words and perfect sentences. Um, it could be body language, it could be signing, it could be pecs, picture exchange, onomatopoeia, facial expressions, silliness, you know. 80% of how we communicate is body language. And I'm trying to do that with you here in three-dimensional space, but we are missing something, right? We know that because it would be how we would physically interact with each other. So anyway, the intention to communicate with our kids is what is really the most important. So receptive language, I got your words, teacher. I got them, I got them here. Uh-oh, now you want me to do something with them. Uh-oh, auditory processing. Um, you asked me a question. Um, what, is, what is a teacher looking for? And then eventually, I'll try to get a nice expressive sentence back out to you, if I can. If I cannot, like my kid, so I told the school in elementary, if you have no other way to assess John, if he doesn't give you the nice sentences you're looking for, if, and he can't, if, if he can't give you those nice written sentences that you're looking for, and he can't, then you know what? Default to behavior. Look, ask him some, oh, not open-ended questions. Don't ask him, so John, um, uh, what would you like to do today? Uh, too many words. So I'll, uh, what color shirt do you want to wear today? Well, in the beginning, it was like, okay, green or blue? Green. And then as he became more sophisticated in his neural pathways, green, blue, pink, or add a third color, add a third choice. Awesome, okay? That, that uh, working memory is elongated. And then eventually we would work into, John, go pick out your own clothes, which we are at now. And that's a progression of the neural pathways and a progression of the, the kid's ability to cope in life. But sometimes you have to, well, you always have to meet them where they are. And that's the maddening thing for parents. And the maddening thing sometimes for the classroom is that where the kids are, are out of sync with their peers. So how do we, how do we work on that? And how did that happen? And is it the kid's fault? No, it's not the kid's fault. Okay, so we're back to that continuum you'd asked about earlier, that gross motor feeding fine motor, which feeds oral motor. And so mm -hmm. if a kid can't do this, 
we were stalled out. So we did a whole long process and intervention with he and I and a ball and jumping and stemming and so that he could move past, he could get a two footed launch. Usually the, um, the pediatricians say that's like age three, age four. And he was seven or eight before we got into that. Music in the brain. So here's a great, the link at the bottom is a, a link to a, a book that um, I found that was the best so far on, that I have found on integrating music into learning. And um, so if I need to get their attention and nothing else works, I'm going to sing to John or to someone else. All of a sudden, that little brain that's over here wandering around is going to go because brain, the music turns the brain on and it's drawn to the music. The brain is also drawn to motion. So I tell teachers, if you're standing still like this up at the blackboard and you wonder why your kids aren't watching you, you wonder why they're turning around and looking at everything that's moving in the back or down the hallway outside the door, well, you gotta move around because the brain is gonna be drawn to movement and the brain's gonna be drawn to to singing, no matter what, who cares about what melody it is, it's just song. Mm -hmm. And here's some, uh, these are all research-based um, uh, references for music integrating into the brain and education. So a little bit about, let me see how much time, oh man, we're down to eight minutes, shoot. Okay, I'm gonna, for you, forgive me here, I wanna get into this curriculum. So here's what quantum reflex integration looks like vagus nervous system, the child model of methylation, um, how important the immune system is. Uh, and this is all in the notes and even more in the appendix. And I'll talk with you more at another time, anytime you wish. Um, how are what we've done, how we've integrated midline crossover, how we've integrated motor planning into John's social emotional learning and how he's proved himself, but it's been because he's chosen to. Now let's get into the meat of the, the curriculum. So OG-based, right? We always want it to be Oton Gillingham-based because, and a lot of people are selling a lot of interventions. And so right now I'm paying money for a few, um, but there's some I wouldn't use and uh, they, they need to be OG-based for your families. Okay, so LLI was the first reading intervention that our district offered John and it, I found it to be inefficient ineffective for him we moved on i studied my house so this was my job because of time of day there wasn't enough time to trot him in and out of my house plus or to find a therapist plus we weren't getting that kind of support because the school district was still hung up on lli which was mm -hmm. not any good all right so i take this two two classes of scientific spelling and then we sit down and that's a picture there of us doing it side by side. It's laborious, but you've got to go back and meet them where they are. And we would spend 15, 20 minutes a day. And I have all the paperwork from that. And we, we worked through the food chain on how they said to do it. Phonetic awareness, phonemes, graphemes, and all that. And then I realized, yikes, he's actually, this is, he's, this is further ahead. I found something that went back even more basic. And that was explicit instruction. And that's this whole pile of stuff. That was Family Literacy Network and then some, and these uh, are exercises that, this is based on the same kind of research 
that the um, night house is based on, it just is more purposeful. Every little tiny step. And so how do you climb the mountain? You don't go up the face fast. Not for my kid, not for some learners. You have to take little steps around the switchback. And you're going to go around the mountain. You're going to do something consistently every day. You're going to help them with their self-esteem when they're reading. And soon, eventually, someday, we'll get to the top of being able to read mountain. Now, we'll still have to work on the um, can you retell the story mountain. We're there. But um, anyway, so I also then fast forward is another intervention we're using. It's expensive. Um, usually needs an, old, an uh, occupational therapy oversight. Some people say good, some people say bad about it. Uh, we're still, I'm still spending money for it. I see benefit to John, um, at, but it is a, a more expensive one for the families. Okay, so let's, some pictures. How might this look? How might reading for comprehension look? If we were looking to the future um, or in this interim period, um, our, our kids have opportunity to use written language and, and social, emotional, and, and reading for comprehension in many ways if we back up our prompts, right? Mm -hmm. I make him responsible for filling out the receipt at, when we go to eat. I got him a debit card, a $5 debit card thing. Make him responsible for that. We check into therapies. He's going to be writing it down. He's going to be responsible. He knows how to handle a card. We're making lousy headway with nickels and dimes and pennies, but we're getting the deal with the debit card. So I'm not sure what all that means, but we got, we're wrestling with the number thing too. So we got just calcula on top of everything. My kids got every learning inefficiency that there is. So I just have to be endlessly curious. But he's in charge of navigation, right? Whether it's my phone or whether it's the Garmin. If we, he's, he's paying attention to this top picture. I'm sorry, I'm putting my finger in your face. Forgive me for that. I'm so sorry. Um, he has a banking account. And he really, he went from disinterested when it was for brother to, I said, John, would you like to have a bank account? He goes, yeah. And he was into it there at the table. So it became something that was about his centering, right? Um, and when he signs himself up, you can tell which one is John Fisher on that whiteboard with, uh, um, with a, a karate thing. But there's no way to go but straight through the tunnel. You know, no way to go but practice. So as far as explicit instruction goes, just a quick version of it, and we have spent at least 120 of their classroom hours and much more counting what John and I have done. We go back to that original example of the phoneme and grapheme. M, one phoneme, I'm sorry, one grapheme, two phonemes. M. So what he would do with this curriculum is, is starting off, he would trace, eh, mm, eh, mm, and he would do it to mastery. And he can't, he couldn't get sloppy. He's got to take that, that first phoneme all the way to the dot, make the pivot, and change direction. 
And we would work on that for all the phonemes, graphemes. And then we would go up to the next step just a little bit. We needed master down here, right? So we would, we would add new content for, for stretching, but we always had to work toward mastery as we would rebuild everything. All right, so this is what some of our classroom hours have looked like at the house, in the car, with the listening therapy, doing uh, word decoding, breaking the words down, putting them together again, spelling, reading, what does the story say, um, building a little R-A-T and then making a rat, and I would mix them up. It wasn't flashcards, you know, like here's the word is a word chunk, not a word chunk. Um, because you just run out of the ability to master what, what if the words get more complicated and word chunking is going to, you're going to lose out on that. You have to be able to break it down. Um, most reliable sounds, um, uh, unfair words. Um, the, this is vocabulary that comes out of night house as well as is explicit instruction. Right. So it's, it's not, it's not hard. It just takes consistency. That's the, the thing, all right? And here's, a, here's some research on it that says 60 to 80 hours, theoretically, is going to help a kid. My kid must be less neurally uh, typical because <laughs> we're at 120, and we were, we're a long way from graduating, per se. Mm -hmm. But um, at least we know what we need to do. And explicit instruction is just simply we leave nothing to chance on it. So here's what it looks like. We keep at it with um, two hours, uh, and we do have some app-delivered things, but this is not really app-delivered stuff. This is one-on-one um, -on -one or one-on-small group things. So um, here's some more of some of the tools that we've used. We use our list. I'm always talking about for parents to understand codependency. I talked to you already about the mountain, you know, how you had to, you can get to the top, but it's not going to be, you're not going to be doing the rock wall. <laughs> it's going to be a different approach to it. Then we can talk about dyslexia handbooks. We can talk about some, there's a lot of links. I'm just going to, because we're down to one minute. I wanted to show you what's here. And it's, I would talk with you later, and I would stay past your, the, in, into the break if you wanted. So yes. here's links. Here's links to more about LLI. Here's some links to some people that had told me they set up some, at the phonetic awareness level, they did these links and these, this channel themselves. Um, and it's a, a, at the very early level, but there you go. You can go check out what they're doing. I don't know that it's OG-based because it's two teachers, but it's all very application based on OG. Someone has also told me, uh, ask them what color is addition? Ask them what color is music? What color is language arts? Can you tell me about that? What do you see? You know, that's for kids with more expressive language, right? And then we've, I've played with Erlen filters. You know, I mean, there's all those color variations and all the compounded colors. I've not found it to be useful to us, but I know some kids that it has helped. So here's some uh, interventions that I have listed that would probably be OG-based good enough for us. We don't need, we haven't gotten to them yet. It's always good to have, you know, some things in your pocket 
to work toward, uh, goes back, and the mindfulness goes back to what we were talking about, the introception, is for the child to be at peace enough with their own thoughts, their feelings, their surrounding circumstances, their vagus nervous system is, is calm enough so that they can be able to listen to phonemes and graphemes. If their vagus nervous system and their sensory integration is vibrating so badly and they are either so hungry or so frustrated or so sad or so all of those emotions that they cannot be at peace to learn and you don't have joint attention, you know how much learning is going to happen? None. <laughs> So um, to be in the present moment with our kids is, is a really huge. Um, have I lost you? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, listening. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I'm going to stop. It goes on, but you, this item I'm officially supposed to stop now. There's a lot of information on there about ARDS and um, parents can use. I freely give out the... The the, um, the PowerPoint, the, um, the PDFs of all the workshops, you can go to the website. Let me show you this here really fast because I forgot to do this. So we go back to positive consequences for the child. I should have done that with you uh, with the first session, but we, we can look at if we do this right for our kids, they can have the positive consequences, positive consequences, confidence, pride, joy, risk-taking, they can have a sense of belonging, they can be self-respected and they can be, have respect from others, self-control, resilience, have poise, have self-esteem, and understand natural consequences of life and unintended consequences of life. This is the goal that we want to have for our kids, okay? So anyway, there's some of that stuff. This is where I've presented um, some of the blogs. I'm working on podcasts, audio podcasts. This, if you want to do a quick screen print, this is where um, it, all everything is referenced from here. You start at that you, uh, website and click away. Um, where we've got a lot of learning projects in different directions. Um, we look for gaps. We look for what need, needs to be created, and um, we work on that. So. Thank you. That was all so wonderful. I mean, goldmine. Thank you for that. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for choosing this. Um, some of the other sessions we get into, uh, oh, I've got three more topics, right? And um, I'll be glad to talk with you any other time. We do a newsletter. We, uh, we have a first responders project. We've got lots of other projects for siblings, too. So anyway, thank you, Martha. I enjoyed our time together. Thank you. I'll be looking for more information. Thank you, Gail. Yes. Bye-bye. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Oh, hi, everybody. Are you guys still there? I ended the session too soon. Are you guys still there? I'm here for the next session. I, oh, I okay, awesome. Thing, so. so you guys are all 15 minutes early. Yeah, I'm early. Awesome, okay. That's wonderful. Super. I just finished one on phonetic awareness. I will, let's see, I need to stop the recording. You want to stop the recording? Yes.